all right so welcome back everybody glad to have y'all so tonight we got a great discussion man with a with a guy named david sort of the same um scenario with blake david was uh david was was brought to my attention as somebody that that i could possibly help so um same with blake i've never had no contact with david never spoke with him um this conversation was the first time i've ever heard his voice so uh, before we get into that i do want to give a shout out to my group nafjar you know national alliance for um, justice and re-entry um please check out uh, my my other guys in the group um mike out in texas has a show called cell life on facebook c-e-l-l um sean out in california has a show called uh, nowhere to go but up and then josh has a has a show youtube show um doc tv 813 all three of these venues are, are are different but it all speaks to the same so they're really really great shows to to check out so continuing on um this guy here is is the same but it's different and i'm gonna let all of that unfold on, on how that goes but again just please listen to the message listen to to the pain you know recognize the pain and as i've said in the past you know these these guys us me you know we don't want to do the things that we do you know we're just inflicted with with mass insecurities um, addictions there's just a lot of pressures that are on us that we don't know how to deal with because our parents never taught us that you know our parents never taught us how to deal with these these stressors you know all they taught us was how to run and not deal with with the trauma so and then they're inflicting trauma on us the whole while so these these is what these stories are about man is is just recognizing these traumas and, and getting in touch with them and 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 understanding that it's okay you know 99% of the time we are where we are in life because we're led by our egos and it's okay to let that ego go you know it's okay to let it go so that's what these stories are i hope y'all enjoy them and introducing david Can you hear me? Yeah, I can. Can you hear me? I can hear you, but you're breaking up on me a little bit. All right, hold on one moment. Let me uh. You seem to be what clear about, right now. How's your signal strength? It says I have full bars, so I think this is as good as it's gonna get. I yeah, you I seem pretty clear right now. All right, awesome. So. So uh, thank you for letting me join in on the podcast, brother. Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. This is um, this is all about education. It's all about you know um, helping the children grow and understanding how we get caught in in situations and dilemmas in life, and we we make decisions out of you know out of these circumstances, you know, 
um, with emotions that, that are unchecked, you know, and, and that usually leads us down dark, dark roads. So, um, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for joining David. Thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing your story, but just to clarify for the record. So I do have your permission to, to do this here. Correct. Correct. Perfect. So let's get right into it, David, man. Just tell me, tell me who you are. Wow. Um, tell me, tell me who you are right now in this moment and what you're going through and what you, you know, what you're looking for. All right. For. That's even, all right. That's great. Right now in this moment, I am, uh, I'm a husband, I'm a father and, uh, I'm struggling. Just, um, my wife and I had to, we had to enter a family shelter, uh, up here in Boston. Well, uh, actually in Framingham. Um, I'm, I'm so grateful that, you know, these places exist. Um, but you know, um, I am, I'm a drug addict in recovery. My wife is also, and we have a, we have a beautiful little baby boy together and, um, we needed help. Um, I was, you know, we had, we had our own place together. Um, and unfortunately we lost it because of, because of my actions in, in, uh, drug abuse, man. Um, not, not, you know, being a man and not knowing how to handle my feelings properly. Um, you know, and it's coupled with a lot of, you know, mental health issues, PTSD and, you know, untreated, untreated alcoholism and drug and drug addiction is basically what it was. I thought I could do it on my own. I thought I could use drugs once in a while. Um, you know, cause I use drugs because I hate the way I feel when I'm not on drugs, unfortunately. Uh, you know, they call it a spiritual malady. Uh, I call it torment, you know, but I'm on the path, I'm on, you know, I'm 35 and uh, I've been battling this for going on, you know, 20 years, multiple incarcerations. Um, I have three other children who I, I don't support right now, um, but, but I, you know, I did, but because of my drug addiction, man, I, um, I, I've lost everything, you know, and, and I'm trying to hold left and, and what I have left is the most beautiful, you know, I, I, I have so many gifts in my life. Um, and I always say they get taken away from me, but I give them away because I, uh, I, 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 I think I, you know, I just need some relief. I just want relief so bad. <clears throat> you know, I, um, uh, I take a pill and then that pill, you know, leads to insanity it's never it's never just i never just use once it always leads to more terrible things you know sorry if i went off uh, on you no it's okay it's okay you know this this is this is what i want i want i want to so so let me ask you some basic questions just to just to just to get to know you a little bit better so you say sure. right now currently is you your wife and uh a young child how old is the child my son Cameron, he's nine. He's nine months. Okay, your son. His name is is Kieran. Cameron. C -A -M -E. Cameron. Yep. Got it. Yep. Cameron. Okay, Killer Cam. Okay. That's so, it. That's it. Yeah, yeah. So okay, and your wife is how old? My wife is thirty-one. Her name is Cassie. Cassie. Okay. Yep. Okay, so Dave, Cassie, and Killer Cam. How is Cam? That's it. 
Cam's great. He's in the backseat right now. We just brought him to uh to the doctors. Just um we noticed some um discoloration in his uh leg, but he's all good. We got a COVID <clears throat> test and um, uh, you know, we're living in community living. We're at a shelter. It's, you know, it's 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 a it's an old, it's a big old home that's been trained, you know, the state of Massachusetts um changed it into like a family drug slash drug treatment center. So we're trying to we're trying to gain like public housing through here. This place will let us stay here up to up to nine months and uh um, nine months. And how long have you been there? We've been here for two months. Okay, so six, seven more months. Okay. Yeah, so we're trying every 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 day counts, you know, which so I, I'm just rifling off, you know, uh applications for housing, different housing, um different towns and um you know, I, I've had a lot of great help. Uh, this woman named Cynthia, who she's like a second mother to me, man. This this lady is uh, she's amazing. She she's um she's helped me without judgment, without you know. She she's an addict in recovery herself, but she 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 runs a foundation in Boston called the F8 Foundation. It's for it's for men that have uh, you know that have been incarcerated trying to get back on their feet. She, you know, she, she's like a lawyer almost, but she's a felon herself. Her story's crazy. If you ever get the chance to pick her brain, man, she's, uh, she's truly inspirational. And she's crazy too. She's hilarious. And she's, you know, yeah, she, helped, so, she, yeah. she got me in here. Yeah. Cynthia is, um, so, and, and just for the record, moving forward from here, um, I want to mm-hmm. keep this as anonymous as possible. So first name is okay, but we want to keep people's last names out just, just for protection purposes. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I apologize. That's okay. That's okay. So, so how Cynthia and I met, um, you know, I'm, I'm down here in Florida and I'm going through my own issues, David, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling and, and I'm trying to figure out life on my own as well, you know, and I also have a daughter. Um, oh, wow. I, I've 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 spent a, a large part of my life um, wasting time, let's say, and um, I've recognized that, and I'm trying to move past that. So I I I created this this organization to help uh, to help reoffenders get back into society and to help them with employment and, and such. So upon creating this, I, I ran across you know Cynthia and her organization. And her and I just got talking. And um, there's another gentleman that I'm actually uh, working with as well. Um, her and I just suggested, you know, I threw it out there. I'm like, you know what? I know these guys. This, these guys are me. You know, let me, let right. me talk with these guys. And, and maybe, maybe I can understand a little something differently, you know. And in Absolutely. the process, educate a lot of people doing that. So the, um, the first gentleman, his name is Blake. Oh, Blake. I, I, yeah, so he 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 is on the the previous episode, and um, you can catch that as well. And and what oh, I'm wow. going to do, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do the both of you concurrently. We're just going to talk how we are, and we're just going to unravel things, and we're going to unfold things, so people can hear and they can learn. One to be a better parent for their children, and hopefully, um, children can hear. And, and decide to take a, a different approach. And maybe even some that are incarcerated can hear and change their lives coming out. So 
these stories Absolutely. are very, very important, David. Very important. So I hear that your wife is there in the background. So she's more she is more welcome to join in at any time. Oh wow, that is awesome. Hey. Yeah, that's Cassie. She's taking our son in it, it, I'll right, be right, back. right now to let them know that we're back. But um Chris, I think what you're doing is wow, it's it's, it's beautiful, man. I, I, I've been in a dark, a very dark, um a very dark uh space myself and uh you know I even get emotional too because man only thing I have you know the one thing I'm grasping on is hope and to let people know that we are good people man I'm I, I have so much love in me and and, and I want to help so much but I, I'm so restricted by you know by, by society you know by money by by lack of opportunity, I guess you could say, I, I'm not, it, it's, I'm not feeling bad for myself. That's not my point. It's, but like you said, I wasted so much time. And, and if I could get one message across to anyone, time's precious. It, it is. And so much can be done with time and so much devastation can come with wasting it, you know? And, and, and I, I, I completely identify with you. I wasted a lot of time with, you know, just pure arrogance, you know, playing the fake, being fake my whole life, big, tough guy. Um, you know, I'm, 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 I'll, I'll try not to swear. But, <laughs> it's okay, man. Know. Listen, Dave, be you, be you. All right. All right. You know, we understand, we understand the Northeast. We understand Boston partner. Go ahead. <laughs> I good. I know. God forgive us, please. But now, uh, you know, the whole, the whole tough guy jailhouse shit, you know, I have four children, right? And my oldest, Riley, she has seen so much. She's seen her dad get beat up by cops. She's seen me, you know, breaking up, breaking the house apart. And, you know, like, like I said, I, I was living a lie, man. I'm, I don't give a shit about being tough anymore i don't know only reason why it served me is because as a young man i hated who i was you know i, I was sexually abused I, I i was i was assaulted i grew up you know my mother did the best she could you know with the best she knew how do you know what i'm saying she she grew up the same way i did just reversed and yeah well, well we're gonna get we're gonna get all into all of that but let me say this here before we start down that journey okay yeah, I, I I'm I was the same way as you, right? You know, I I grew up in a in a machoistic um household, and and I was made at a very young age to know that talking and crying and all of those things was out the window. Like that's unheard of. We don't do that here, you know. Nope. And nope. and what I've realized through my life, David, growing up, is yeah, I've I've been tough, and and yeah, I've I've I, I, I've been tough on people, but the one yep. person that I was never tough on was myself. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I, could be, I, I could be tough. I could be tough on everybody else, but I could never be tough on myself. You know. So this is where we're going to wow. start, and and I need you to apply that same toughness that you applied to other people. I need you to to apply that same tough guy to yourself, right? Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm need you to do because this journey like i say i'm gonna touch on points and i'm gonna call bullshit when i call bullshit i don't want no excuses about nothing 
This is about getting to the root of who you are and understanding the decisions that you've made. Now, in the very beginning, I, I, I heard you speak on, on you and your wife's addiction. Now, what, what is the addiction? Um, spe specifically, uh, my addiction started off of heroin, uh, IV heroin use. Um, but it, but it's, it's, oh, it, but it, among many others, um, benzodiazepines, um, cocaine, alcohol, anything that takes me out of myself. Okay. So did you, did you sway more towards uppers or downers? It sounds like uppers. Both, both. I, I was always on, I was always on anything both. Uh, hands for on. Me. Anything to take you out of your reality. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I love benzodiazepines, you know, Klonopin, Xanax, because it, it completely blacked me out. And I use that. I, that was like my baseline drug, but then I would, I would shoot cocaine constantly because it would, you know, that rush of cocaine releases all the dopamine in my body. And I'm, I'm very happy for those right. 20 oh, seconds how, for however long it lasts. How were how you getting these drugs, David? Um, through, you know, through people I know, local, local drug dealers, how I, I was supporting it um, by playing middleman, you know, this time, you know, this time was, uh, this was an, e this was an easy run because of, um, I was, you know, I work in the trades and, um, I was able to accumulate a lot of money through work and working hard too. And, um, I know, you know, I never sold drugs that I, I can never hold on to them long enough, but I would middleman things, you know, get someone drugs to get a piece and nothing glamorous, Chris, at all. Nothing glamorous. Just, and, you know, and, and right. Stealing. Hold, hold, know, on my, hold on one second. Right there, David. So you say you've never sold drugs. You have never packaged up any kind of drugs and exchanged it to anybody else for money. No, I have. I have. I absolutely have. Okay. So you have sold drugs, but you've sold drugs to support your high. Yes. Okay. So with, with that, what I want to know from this point, so my, so my, so my listeners that really don't know this lifestyle can, can understand the draw on you and your wife, because that's, that's even when you have an accomplice, it's even more of a burden on, on the person that's kind of responsible for getting the drugs. So I don't know how your guys' relationship is when it came to making sure that drugs were supplied. Who was the runner? Who was the, the one to make sure to get? Um, and we'll get into that. But, but I just want my, 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 my listeners to understand what a day of, of, of your life is in, in its worst condition. Oh, man. Um... My day would typically start. Um, my wife got a job at the post office. It, it was uh, when we were in recovery. She she was pregnant. She busted her ass on the application. Uh, you know, it was, it was it was she had to jump through a lot of hoops, but she got it. So her her day started at 7 a.m. at the local post office, and my day started with taking care of Cameron. And we were both on prescription medications, um, you know, Suboxone, that's, um, for anyone that doesn't know, that's a uh, medically assisted treatment for, opi for opioid um, abusers. Um, so we, we were on Suboxone and then 
multiple other medications that we didn't need, but we use because we, we like to feel, especially, you know, drugs uh, called gabapentin. Johnny's is a, is a street name for them. It's a, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a medication for nerve damage and uh, mixed with Suboxone, you get high off of it. And also we were on medications like Baclofen. That's another. Let me add, um, let me add one point right there real quick. Gabapentin, Gabapentin, they hand out like candy inside prison. Everywhere. Uh, Go ahead. Well, absolutely in prison. And same with Baclofen. That, that's how I found out about Baclofen. Because in prison, we used to call it backflipping. <laughs> you know, you mix them with the, you mix them with the Gabapentin and, you, you know, you make a nice, make a nice mix and you're having a good night with the boys. But so, and then, and then on top of that, we'd start the day with Adderall, right? Adderall, that, that's, that's amphetamine. So I, my, that was my job. Cassie just went to work. She didn't have the connections and I didn't want her to go out and get the drugs. You know, I did you know, so I, that's usually how it goes. Right. That's usually how it goes. Yep. And and let me explain let me explain that that philosophy real quick for for those that don't know again the reason being is because the lifestyle that's involved in in just going out and getting drugs in their position in 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 David and Cassie's position first off as soon as Cassie goes to get drugs from anywhere she's going to to it's it's automatically assumed from the dealer that she's going to provide some services in order for the drugs as well you know that's that that's automatically the pressure that's put on a female when they're going to buy drugs, you know, is, is that some sort of sexual, and it's usually a, 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 a deviancy, you know? Um, so a lot of times, yes, yeah, in, in situations like this, you don't want her to go out and get the drugs for that reason. So continue, please. Absolutely. But now you got to figure though, we're trying to live double lives here. Like we're trying to be domesticated working class citizens and uphold a drug addiction, but we think we have it handled because it's prescribed. But it, but 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 as the kind of drug addicts we are, it starts with these medications, but it doesn't end, you know. So Cassie didn't get to the point. I guess she was more responsible. Me, on the other hand, I had, uh, you know, Cassie became my beautiful wife and my probation officer you could say because i started abusing more benzos and shooting cocaine like so i i'd have to lie to her every day different numbers in my phone i'd have to contact women that knew someone you know and then lie about where i was i need the car i wouldn't come just, home just to get high yeah just to get it extra just to high, get yeah. high man that's it and and lie 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 like a motherfucker i mean i'm talking like you know she 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 brings up stories to me now i don't remember you know because one thing i can say people we never forget the truth you know but uh, fuck man I, I i forget a lot of lies that i've told and um god the, how stupid you know how stupid it makes me feel and and for what you know it's just to wake up to another day you know like and while taking care of my son too because that that's how arrogant i was you know like i thought i could do this i thought i could raise my son and I, I wanted to work for myself. I was refinished, you know, I was doing carpentry in people's homes and um, I was turning people's houses into, into, into glorified trap houses because I could get away from my wife and do my dealings. It's, it's not that I want to be away from her because I didn't love her. 
it was because I didn't want her to know the monster I was becoming, you know, I didn't. Right. Right. And, and that's exactly right. You know, and, and okay. So let me ask you this here. When was the last time you guys got high? Well, uh, my, uh, I'm, I'm using my sobriety date as, uh, July 27th, which is my birthday. And, um, Cassie's the last time Cassie abused her medication was, uh, was two months ago, roughly. Okay, so you guys are taking medication right now? Yes. Okay. But other than the medication, there has been, there's been no synthetic drugs, no, no drugs whatsoever? No, 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 but just, just, okay. just suboxone, that's it. That's awesome. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah. If you, That's awesome. Okay, so are you ex- still experiencing, are you still going through any sort of withdrawals? Yeah, man, absolutely, just highs and lows and plus I, you know I, I was i was i was abusing steroids too um yes yeah, so like you know a that's lot a dangerous of mix you ain't kidding brother like i i you know like my head is it, it gets high and lows i mean that the, the physical symptoms are are okay physically you know maybe a little tired here and there but the thoughts the the impending doom the anxiety the you know what I mean? The, take me, the take me through some of that. Take me through some of some of your thoughts. It's just dark, man. I just, just waiting, waiting for something terrible to happen. That's all I'm waiting for. I'm waiting to, I'm waiting for an indictment. Uh, I'm waiting for, I'm, I'm waiting to find out my wife doesn't love me. Maybe she's gonna cheat on me. Maybe she, you know, maybe you know. I can't provide, I can't, I'm not enough for her. You know, I'm, I'm, I, I, do you know what I, do you know what I mean? I don't, I don't, I feel so low about myself, you know, um, kills me that we're in this position. Let me ask you a question, David. What's up? Do you love, do you love Cassie for who she is or do you love Cassie because you don't want to be alone? I love Cassie for who she is. And that's, and believe me, I I pushed her away because and, and fuck, she she didn't go nowhere. That's what attracted me to her was she's nice, man. She she she's okay. she's beautiful too, but she's she's something that I've always wanted to be. I I can never show niceness, you know. But she can't help it. And you now, know, you know, Brad was 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 Cassie on drugs when you met her, or did you invite her to oh. drugs? Did she invite you to drugs? How did that work? Well, Cassie was in recovery. Uh, she was two years sober when I met her. I met her in a treatment facility. I was on parole uh, at a place called Project Turnabout, and she was working at the detox. And I was there for like, you know, six months, and uh, I just tortured her. I tortured her, you know. Thought I she, loved it. Yeah, and she, you know, she's, you know, we 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 got a connection. I, I know it doesn't sound ethical, but that's our story. And, um, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, but I definitely think I, I, I introduced, I definitely introduced um, things to Cassie that she wasn't privy to, I guess you could say. You brought her to a new low. I think so. Yeah. Would you say that? I think so. Yes. Okay. And, and, and David, all of this is okay, partner. 
right? Yeah. What we talk about and what has happened in the past is okay because it's already happened, right? The what 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 we're trying to achieve is is for it not to happen anymore, right? And and there's things that in my life that I'm trying to achieve the same thing. So like I tell everybody, I don't separate myself from you or anybody else because I know what it is to be there. I've never dealt with the addictions that you guys have only because at a young age I saw and I was able to to understand what these heavy drugs did to you. You know, I was I would I was I was hanging out in 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 dope spots at 14 15 years old and I would see these people come up and just do some ridiculous things to get high. And and I and I always told myself then like that would never be me. I, I would never want my life to be like that because even at a young age, I knew that I had a very addictive personality towards some things. And right. I knew that if I liked it, I would always want it. So I, I was scared to open that door because I, I felt like I, I might like it, you know, that's, because, that's because I, I needed escapes myself, you know? So let's go. You ready? You ready to start? Let's do it. All right, David. Tell me about your earliest memory that you can remember. Opening all the Christmas presents under the tree one year. I was a little boy, and uh, my mother, there's five of us. I have three older sisters and a younger brother. And I remember, I remember seeing my mother wrap a plane, and I was dying for this thing. And, and I remember, I remember. I remember sneaking underneath the tree, like, you know, like, like army crawling under the tree. And then, uh, it was like, two yeah, I used to love that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and, and I, I didn't even put a little hole in it to, to, to make sure it was, I ripped the thing right open. And, and I, <laughs> and so after I saw the, after I saw the plane, I saw other presents and I said, fuck it. I, I opened one. I might as well open them all. I opened all of them and I, <laughs> my mother, my mother lost her mind, man. She was screaming mm. at me, and that yeah, that that's that's cool. I that was that was cool. I that that's my earliest memory. That's what I, can, I used to do the same thing. I used to go and I used to open all the presents, man, and as <laughs> delicate as I could, you know, I would open them as delicate as I could to see what they were. Right, it's just little holes. Oh, I'm sorry about that. So, so tell me about your parents at that time. Okay, yeah. Um, my father, God rest his soul, man. He was a hardworking man. Uh, he's of uh, Polish descent. Uh, he worked mm. at the he, he worked at the Boston Globe. It's uh you know the, the Boston Globe is the the Boston newspaper. Um, he drove truck in the Teamsters Union, so he worked full time, and then um, he worked full time delivering papers to stores, and then. His other full-time job, he worked as a HVHC technician at the Kearney Hospital in Dorchester, in, in Boston. So he was never home. My father, um, my mother, raised us, and uh, my mother was a drug addict. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and she. What of what descent is your mom? Irish. One, one, Irish, one, okay. One hundred percent Irish. Proud, she's proud mm. of it. Yeah. So she uh, wasn't so much the booze. With my mom, it was uh, it was cocaine and um, and amphetamines and 
you know. What was your What was your father like, David? What kind of man was he? Quiet, quiet, and um, yeah. So he had to, was he, he? He was quiet, and um, he, he was he was uh, he didn't. He, my father loved my 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 sisters. He, but me and my younger brother, he was he was mean to us. He, he did. It's like he didn't like us. Um, you know, as I I finally picked his brain years later before he passed. He passed away of ALS a few years ago, and uh, mm. he um, he apart. You know, we were, I was actually smoking crack with him. <laughs> he okay. He was like he was he was like a closet crackhead man. This guy could use drugs and just stop. I've never seen nothing like it. I, I can't believe he could do that. But I was on the run from probation and he hid me at his apartment in Brockton. So we're smoking crack and he got quiet and me, I, I couldn't shut up. You know, I'd just keep talking and talking. And I finally, I, I let him have it. You know, all the things he did as a kid, but he told, you know, his, his father abused him and he never knew how to show his love for boys. You know, he didn't know how to do it. So I always thought he just didn't like me, you know, mm-hmm. and that hurt as a kid, you know, so I, I rebelled a lot coming of age. And that's, that's, that's an important message because again, that's, that's a lot of the message that I portray is we are what our parents are for the most part, you know, I agree. we, we can only, we can only teach our kids what we've been taught, you know, um, right. unless, unless we've come to an age that we've recognized self and we understand that a different teaching needs to be applied. If that's so, you know, oh then, God. then, then we can Absolutely. raise our kids differently, you know? So Absolutely. that's why they kind of, that's why they kind of say like, you should wait or the best time I should say the best time to raise, you know, to have a child is like in your thirties, mid thirties, because you just understand life a whole lot different. And I by agree. that time, by that time, you should already be established in life. You should have your career. You should have your goals, your your life plan, and then you bring child, you know, children into that mix. That's but so life just doesn't work that way, you know. No, it, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. I, I started young, but I also I had my Riley, my daughter Riley, when I was eighteen. But my life started off quick. So I've always been a very hard worker, um, very skillful. I I I got into the sprinkler fitters union, fire protection. You know, like. Uh, fire suppression system so I was a pipe fitter yeah and I always worked hard man I I thought I had it all together but I was a drug addict and um yeah I I was always living a double life but I was working two three jobs and um never it was always lying and and amongst other things too man you know drugs aren't my only thing it was women it was uh because that takes me out of myself you know what I mean it was um yeah a lot, just a lot. Just, I just. Well, what, what, what was it, David, that you're trying to run from about yourself? I, I what is it that you don't like about yourself, partner? I always thought I was. I don't know. I, I, I just never thought I was good looking enough. I, I, I never thought I had a nice enough physique, you know. In it, but what also too. You know, as I said, and that's why you were taking the steroids. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you know what? I'm not. I I'm not a bad looking cat. I've always done okay with. I'm not blessed by any means, but I've done okay. I've I've done okay with. You know. I mean, my, I'm, my I'm, I'm 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 David. I'm ugly as hell, David. It doesn't matter. Go ahead. 
<laughs> but I'm saying, you know, I just, I always, I don't know what it was, man. I, I, I had such a poor image of myself because uh, my father was so handsome and he was a all-star football player. He, he won best looking, best physique in high school. And I never thought I'd measure up to that. And I never thought, I always thought he was embarrassed by me. And he, my dad was never home, you know, my mother, like I said, she's a drug addict. So what happens, the streets end up coming into the house. It, you know, because I, I loved what you said, like our parents, they did the best they could because they only knew so much. So yeah. you know, I, I do forgive my mother, but but me and my sister were sexually assaulted uh, uh, many, many times, many, many, many times um, by, by, you know, so-called friends of the family. They were just crackheads, you know. Or, or right. Well, we're going to get into that. We're going to get into that on a separate basis day because that right there, I just, I, I was just talking about that the other, the other day, right? Most of sexual abuse comes from within the family. And it's very important that people understand that because we leave our children with, with family members thinking that we know these people and we trust them, but because of deviancies that we don't know of, it, 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 it leaves our children in harm's way, you know? Oh my so God. that right there, that abuse, we're going to get into that, but I want to, I want to go back specifically back to your childhood. Who had, who had the most negative impact on you as a child? I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to say it was my dad, man. Yeah. My, my father, I just, I never, just because of the way I thought he looked at me. If that Always sense. trying to just gain his respect. Yeah. And, you know, I, I was, I was the same one. I mean, he was, and he was, a, he was, he was an asshole towards me. Like I'd ask him questions about, you know, he'd be working. He, my father knew all, all, all trades too. He just, you, but like when I would come near him, you, you, I, I thought I might've smelled like shit or something like, he, 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 <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Well, that's, like, that's the thing, right? Yeah. That's the thing. Right. So especially from the Northeast, right. Because you guys have this, this very machoistic, you know, attitude in itself, you know, a man's man. That's right. And the thing of it is, David, you sound a lot like me, right? So the thing with me, see, I have an older brother who's eight years older than me. Now he took to that man's man type of attitude, you know, I, I didn't because I was more of a sensitive kid. I needed, I didn't need tough love. I just needed, I needed love, period. I was a, you know? Wow. Wow. So 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 it's safe to say we're, we're similar then because I was too. I was into music. I was into art. Those are those are the things I, I remember loving. I didn't want to fight. Nope. I didn't want to fight. I didn't want to hurt people. I wanted to go outside and, and you know, like I, I remember this one time. I remember this one time there was this bird. It was me and my brother and, and, and my mom and we're in this trailer. And I hear this thunk up against the side of the trailer, right? So... So uh, I run outside. I couldn't have been maybe eight. And, and like I say, my brother's eight years older than me. So he had to have been, you know, 15, 16 at the time. So I go outside and, and it's this crow, right? It's a little crow. And he flew into the side of the trailer and, and damaged his wing. Dog, when I tell you I was crying and I was upset over this little bird. Absolutely. Right. So I bring the bird inside and here comes my mom. You know, my mom used to always placate to my to my sensitivity. And that's what I love about my mom, you know, oh, that's nice. because she really under, she she understood my, my sensitivity. Right. 
So she would come and she brought the little shoe box and we took the little bird and put it in the shoe box and all of this. Don't you know my brother came along and just killed the bird? Damn. He just, he just killed the bird. And see, and that's, that was the thing was because my father taught my brother to be that way. My brother was teaching, trying, you know, trying to instill that into me. Wow. So I was getting it from twofold. I'm getting it from my brother and I'm getting it from my father. That's a lot. You know? That's a lot. So, and, and, and these are the things like, like my brother probably don't even remember that incident, but to me, it, 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 it was traumatic. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and we carry these things. So again, as parents, we have to understand that each child learns and, 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 and grows differently. And some may, some may be receptible to that tough love. Some may not, but it's just, it's just knowing our children and understanding how that child learns best. So that's why I'm careful. When, that's why I'm careful with my children. And, and I let them know how much I love them. Even, you know, even my, my son, Connor, he, 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 he likes science and, he, and I embrace anything as long as he, you know, as long as he doesn't, I just, I, I tell them about the dangers of drugs and, and, and about my life. And I'm very open with my children to a degree, of course, you know, I embrace sensitivity because I was that kid too. I shot a bird once and I still, still to this day, hate the way I feel over it. I'll never forget it. It's It was just, that, that just made me think of that incident. Well, you know, when, when you have that, when you have that, that instinctual guilt of taking another life, no matter what the life is, that means that your spirit is somewhat aligned with, with universal law. So you're not far off from where you need to be at, David, because if you feel emotion and you feel guilt over taking life, that means you have a lot of care in your heart. I do. You see what I'm saying? I, that, I, so, wow, that's cool. I never, I never knew that. So you have a lot of positive things to look at. I, I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm talking to you and I'm like, well, what is this guy's issue for real? Because you, you don't sound too bad, partner, for real. Thanks. Your current, your current, your current position may be bad, but this is only a fragment of time. You see what I'm saying? And you, and you understand how you got here. I do. And it sounds like you're accepting, you're accepting that responsibility. I you am. know what I mean? I, I am. I, I, listen, I, I, I have no more, I don't have any delusions anymore at all. Um, I'm completely open. I, 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 whether it be help or change, whatever I need to do, I plan on doing it. You know, I I don't blood, sweat and tears, man, because I am a good person. I know that about myself because I do care. Uh, Cynthia, in fact, she calls me an empathic soul. I I just found out Mm -hmm. that I hear that word a lot. And Mm -hmm. I am am very empathic and I am, you know, but I, but, but something has to change. And I'm trying to identify, like I said, whether it be mental health or whatever, I'm trying to chime in on all of it so I can be part of life. You know what, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I don't want to waste any more time. When, when was the, what, at what age, David, did you know that your mom was a drug addict? Probably about 11, I was like 10 or 11 because, uh, I used to hear my, I used to hear my grandmother call her a drug addict all the time, you know, um, mm-hmm. in, in Boston lingo, you know, 
fucking junkie, or you, you fucking crackhead, you, you, you know, you fucking crackhead. And this is this is her mother or your father's mother that's calling her that. That was her mother, you know, and that's how they respond. Uh-huh, okay. that's, that's how they responded to each other. A lot of that's the Irish way. Just yeah. the Irish way. Everything was, you know, the C word and, and the F word, and uh, that's just how it flowed. But my mother was a very caring person too, and she. She was stuck in it, man. And she's doing okay now. She, you know, she, it's crazy. My mother had a million dollars on a scratch ticket. She gave half, she, she gave, she gave it all away pretty much. You know what I'm saying? She didn't, she didn't know how to handle that kind of money. We, she gave each of yeah. us, you know, out of five of us, she gave each of us $10,000. And I don't know what she did with the rest, but, uh, but still to this day, if I, I call my mother all the time and no matter what I ask, if I ask for something, she she tries to get it. She, you know, I think she has a lot of guilt too. I'm sure she does. She I'm sure she does, and and we have to recognize that as well as as her as a human being, not just your mother, but her as a human being that is probably carrying a lot of anguish and guilt herself. You know, for sure. So, well, how did that make you feel? Okay, so you see your grandmother calling your mother a junkie. Did you know what a junkie was at that no, time? No, no. It made me afraid. So how? It made me afraid. So how did how did how did you find out? Like, okay, so you hear your grandmother calling your mother a junkie. What do you do then? Do you go and you, hey, what is a junkie? Or I'd say no. I'd ask her. I'd, I'd say, ma, you know, I'd say, I'd say, why is great? You know, uh, she's just mad at me. She's just mad at me. I'd say, I'd say, you know, I thought a junkie. I was like, so dude, like, you know, do you go hang out? In the in a junkyard at night, like you know what I mean. As a kid, yeah, I didn't. Yeah, yeah, I, right. I didn't get it. And she just said, you know, right. she she would just say, you know, your grandmother's just mad. It's just it's just something that she says. It's just something that she says. But I asked my grandmother, and you know, she said, she said your mother struggles with drugs. So is she a drug addict? You know, yes, yes, your mother's a drug addict. <laughs> and it, you know made a lot of sense to me it just clicked drugs were so prevalent in my life you know because in my family drug addicts were calling each other drug addicts you know but there was just different things uh xanax and percocets were okay because it was it was from the doctors but they'd hand them out amongst family it was it was it was it was like the fucking port of miami you know among, <laughs> yeah. among amongst each other you know it was always just pills there was a pill for everything if 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 we were getting on a plane there's a pill you know i i I had pills for everything for everything for for anxiety i you know i didn't even know i had anxiety but i knew there was a pill for something when was when was the first time you you got high on anything first time i got high was i i was i was 11 years i was 11 years old it was my 11th birthday and uh i smoked I smoked a joint, my, my old, my best friend, Brendan growing up and, uh, and, 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 you know, I was lying my ass off. I, I had already thought drugs were cool by then, by this point, because I said, you know, oh yeah, I smoke weed all the time. Ba, ba, ba. I smoked weed and I freaked the fuck out. I freaked out. I had a panic attack and I, I, I ran home. I was crying to my mother. I, I thought I was dying and, <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, <laughs> oh man, my sisters were torturing me, and and uh, but there was a pill for it. My mother gave me a Xanax to calm down, and that pill 
I'll never forget the feeling that gave me, uh, that a benzo gave me, that all, all my fear, all, anything I cared deep, that took everything away. I, I felt like a, I, I, I found myself. I thought, so I thought, you know, benzos. I, mm-hmm. I felt like I was the, like I was made of steel. Nothing, not, nothing could hurt me. Mm-hmm. Nothing. So your first experience with with a euphoric high was from your mother. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the the gentleman that I spoke with earlier, Blake, mm-hmm. do you know who got him high the first time? I'm gonna say his mom. And I have another episode on here of a of a woman named Mercedes who was 23 years old, strung out, selling herself, selling herself to get high off crack. Do you know who got her high the first time? Her mother. Her mother. It's terrible, man. You know, terrible. of course, because, and, and I think that's because us as men, we're, we're, we're stronger at, at holding emotions in, I guess you can say. Um, we're, we're stronger at bearing emotions, bearing pain, and being able to burden that, where women seem to be more of a sensitive type, of course, and, and, and they want others to, to relish in the pain with them, maybe, if that's safe to say. Sure. You know? Sure. It's um, more accepting for a woman to be like that. And, and yes, they bring their children in. And, and I really think because I've seen it from both sides, I've seen it, I've seen it be, because uh, the woman, the mother does not want to get high by herself or, or, or she don't want her son or her child to be successful. Like she's jealous of her child. You know, I've seen where the mother has been jealous of the child because the child may have somewhat of a better life than what the mother has. Or trying to make a better life, and the mother will try to, to hold that child down. So that's terrible. That's that that that's a it, sin. But but the the key point of it is right of all of this is from what I've been finding from talking to people, from my own experiences and things of of that nature is when that trauma to you occurred because that's what it was. It was trauma. It was traumatic for you to find out that your mother was a junkie. Yeah. You see. Yep. And when, when that happens, one, it strikes curiosity in us, right? Like, why does my mother have to do this? And I want to see why she has to do it and such as was in, in Blake's case, you know? So what, after, after you took that benzo and you, and you felt that, what happened after that? I ended up like working for my mother. I guess you could say I, I became um, closer to my mother on, on another level, almost on, the, on, excuse me, almost on like a street level. Do you know what I'm saying? Because my mother did things, right. you know, she, she was, my mother was a, was a thief and she sold herself as well. So I was always, you know, breaking into places for my mother, hustling people, you know, uh, creating diversions, switching tags at stores. Do you know what I mean? I, I bonded with my mom over drugs, and and then yeah. I started fighting at a very young age because, you know, because I thought I had to 
believe me, and, and like yourself, Chris, I hated fighting. I, I despised it, but I did it and I did it and I did it. And, um, and I would take from people. And, and what age was all of this going on at? From like 11 to 15 was, uh, was, was, was a lot, you know, was when a lot of things were happening, a lot, a lot of things between my mother and I, and then expects, you know, it wasn't, you know, just for benzos. It was, it was, it was, uh, you know, per, you know, selling Percocets, the, the higher milligram Percocets. Um, and my mother, my mother was having relations with doctors and my mother was, making me go to doctors to get prescriptions for her and I would do it, you know, cause no matter what, even if it sounded crazy, I did it. No matter, cause my mother, I just always right. believed her no matter what. Sure. And it's going to give you, and, and I'm sure you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm sure it gave you a, a rush to, to be able to provide for your mother. Oh, I, I felt, I felt like, I, yeah, it, it did. It did. You felt like a king. I, I, you felt like Superman. Like, like I was the shit. Like, like you know, I, I thought I was going to be Whitey Bulger. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I thought I was going to be like, like. Do you think, do you body. think, do you think that that euphoric feeling, that strong euphoric feeling of, of providing for your mother was also being impacted from not providing for your father? not feeling like you're living up to your father, but now you have your mother and you're making your mother happy and she's probably giving you hugs and all that stuff when you're coming in with, with, you know, the pills or whatever. It completely, so it completely, it completely leveled the playing field. Like, like I, right. I didn't give That's what I'm trying to say. You're exactly right. I'm happy you said that. I didn't give a fuck anymore about my father. I didn't, but, but, but my father's values and morals, I completely, discarded too. My father believed in hard work. He believed in uh, family. He believed in staying faithful and loyal. Uh, my mother was completely different. You know, these, these two people couldn't have been more opposite. And uh, I, um, I, I started to, I took, I took on my mother's values, my, you know, you know, be, better you than me kind of thing, you know, like she was very caring, but it was, uh, I don't know. I felt like I lived a I felt like I like a walking contradiction. Do you know what I mean? I do. I do, brother. So is it safe to say um this is the type of household? Let me see if I have your household kind of kind of right, I guess, in my head. So your father, he was a hard worker. He'd go out, he would get his check, and he was what you would call, I guess, a weekend warrior. Just get high on the weekends and then that's it. Go back to work for the rest of the week. Yep. Right? Yep. And then your mom is just constantly trying to chase a high and just get high. And she's doing whatever she can do to accomplish that. Yes. Now, was your father aware that your mother was doing these these extracurricular activities for drugs? No, because my father would believe my mother. My father came, like I said, he was, my father's Polish and I. He, he, he lived and act like, you know, my Bob, she, that's Polish for grandma, my Java, they, they stayed together no matter what, you know, in the old country. So my father brought his values over to, you know, to, to America, to Boston. He, my mother would make up stories. She would open lines of credit. He didn't know. He just believed her. Okay. You know, don't worry, Richie. His name was Richard. 
you know, don't worry, Richie. Don't, don't worry. Don't worry. Everything's fine. And he, he didn't ask questions and, you know, it, mm-hmm. it, it did come to a point though, when he found another man in bed with my mother and, uh, he didn't hurt this man because this man was already, this man was in his late seventies. You know, this guy was a millionaire. That's, that's, that's how my parents got divorced. Um, Mm-hmm. So my father just went back to his drug, which was working. He just picked up another shift. Poured himself in the work. That's it. That's it. And uh, he, my father believed in that. My father, those those morals, you know, he left. He, he had, my father had a pension of six thousand a month, and he left that to my mother. Still, you know, he 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 was true to his word, man. He was like, you know, I married her, so. After yeah, all yeah. the shit she did to him, you know, he still, I don't know if it was love or if it was just his belief, but yeah. He so when, when did, when did you graduate off the, off the benzos? Oh, I, I never, I never graduated off it, but I, but I stuck a needle in my arm for the first time at 21. And, and well, that was the benzos. You shot the benzos? No, no, no. I shot heroin. Because. Uh, heroin. Okay. Yeah. How did that transition happen? From Oxycontin, my mother got real involved with OCs, they were called on the street, or, or you know, or jams or whatever, but they were highly, high, yep. highly, highly, highly addictive. Um, and my mother abused those, you know, because of her back pain, because of her relations with doctors and whatever, you know. So, I, of course, I used them too, but my habit got insane. You know, I was trying to get on the fire department, I was trying to. I was trying to provide for my wife back then. I was with someone else. When my daughter was born, I was working, working, working and trying to, I was trying to start my life, but maintain a drug habit. But, but then out of nowhere, I mean, these pills blew, these, these pills were like a hurricane, at least through Boston, you know, um, OCs and uh, they started, they got real expensive, uh, uh, an OC 80, which is 80 milligrams was $80 a pill. And I was doing about 10 eighties a day. And then I found out, then I found out through people I know that a bag of heroin was $40. It was 10 times the high and a lot cheaper at at, at first, obviously, you know, because it progresses, but it made, it made more sense to spend $40 on a better high than to spend $2,000 on a mediocre high you know what i'm saying and how are you getting this money how, how are you supporting 10 of those pills a day at the time was by selling them by by selling them you know by getting a, a 10 pack for 10 of them for 600 bucks selling a certain amount or coming up on a lick robbing somebody um or robbing a drug dealer was a big one because you know you, you only need it two or three of your friends to to fucking tie somebody up, you know, you know what I mean? And, and all right. So, so take me, take me through a day at David in Boston, you wake up, you have no, no dope and you have no money, but you have, you have cravings. What, 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 what does that day look like? It's a dark day, my friend. I, that's when I call my mother and say, Ma, you know, Ma, what can we do? Would brainstorm. You know, and then it would usually, it would usually involve, you know, but I, I always planned ahead, you know, just because 
waking up dope sick was I couldn't do it. I had to go to work. So it was it was breaking into like my mother had a place of employment where she worked. Um, and then that like those empl- those her employers would leave cash for the bread guy, you know, so that's one thing I could steal. I had all these little hustles, uh, you know, I, I, I robbed that, I, you know, my mother and I would rob that that would get us up to $600. I'd buy, a, I, I, you know, I'd sell fake. Well, open somebody's house because because what I want you to, to remember, David, is is my listeners may may be on the other side of your hustles you see what i'm saying they may be the the, the ones that were the the individual comp- the ones that were affected so so this is what i really want to exploit is is how were these hustles uh, you know applied for you to to get money just to get your high what do you mean so like, just how i did okay for instance let me tell you about this dude this dude that i i knew Ronnie. Right now, this was back in the day, and he and he was up in New York. He was up in the city. Now, what his hustle was, right, was he had, and and these were only on certain days, you know. So, like you, um, when you say that you planned ahead, I, I want to explain that as well. So, I think, and you can correct me if if I'm wrong again, David, but I think what you mean, like when you say I always planned ahead. So, when you have an addiction and you know you don't want to wake up with no dope. You always, always have that, that wake up high and then you can function and then you can go hustle and then you can try to work on some more, but you always have to have that morning high first, right? No matter what, no matter what. And that's, so that's what you mean by planning ahead, yes, right? Yes, yes, yes. So, so how, how Ronnie did his hustle, back in the day, he, he had a, uh, a one nine hundred number and you could put like whatever price on that one nine hundred number that you wanted, you know? Really? So he would, he robbed a, a UPS guy, took his uniform. Oh, okay. My this dude would get a box, a huge box. And he would walk around in the city to like large, um, large buildings, large corporate buildings, things like that. And he would walk down up to, right up to the receptionist with his UPS uniform on. And he would just ask for a name and the people, you know, uh, they would either say, you know, we don't have nobody here by that, you know, that, that name or whatever. And he would tell the people, he would say, well, can I use your phone real quick to call and figure out what's going on with this delivery or whatever? The people would let him use the phone. He would just call his one nine hundred number, put it on hold and hang the phone up. Oh, my God. Sometimes sometimes the phone would stay on hold for 30 minutes. Sometimes it'd stay on for an hour. Sometimes it'd be on for like a minute. But he's collecting money that whole time to an account. Wow. And this was his hustle. And it's, it just amazes me how the point of me sharing that is, is how you, you come up with schemes to get money just to get high. Oh, my God. That, it, listen, and schemes. I, I can tell you something I'm not proud of either, man. I mean, I, I've told people at a young age. I, me and my mother had people, you know, convinced that I was, um, and this pains me to say this, but I say this because maybe somebody else out there did this and they hate the way they feel over it. But, uh, man, I, uh, I've, I've, I, I told people I had cancer. I was dying, you know, and I, I needed X amount of money for, for, for a treatment or, you know, something medical, man, and I can't believe I, I did that, but, but I, I, uh, I profited off it. You know, I'm talking, 
up to $8,000. And this was before the whole GoFundMe things. And this was all just word. This was all word of mouth, just making people feel bad and reaching, you know, it's terrible, man. And, 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 and I, I wish I had, you know, I wish I could say, you know, I had these glamorous hustles, but I didn't, man. I I stole from anyone. I, I stole money out of people's purses. I, 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 I'd go to my friend's house and I know that they weren't home. I'd say, Hey, can I use the bathroom real quick? I'd go in, I'd take all the medications, go sell the medications. You, do, do, you know, do you know what I'm saying? Like nothing. Gl- I do. Nothing and, and, and the thing about, and, and the thing I want people to understand, it's, it was never personal. No. Like if you see some old lady's purse laying on a table, right? What is your thought right there? You see a lady who's dressed nicely. It's a nice purse and her back is turned. She's ordering coffee at Dunkin' Donuts and her purse is sitting right on the table. You're shaking. You're hungry. You know what I mean? Uh-oh. You're 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 going through withdrawals. I'm grabbing it. I'm running. I'm grabbing that bag. And and what I is can. and what is your thought when you're grabbing that bag? Is it is it that against the lady? No. The, the thought is that David's not gonna be sick in about ten minutes. That's the hope, at least. That's right. That's the hope. Just to just to stop that sickness, just, man. Just to not be That's sick, right. man. And that is, it's it's a real thing, man. It's it's, I mean, I have horror stories, horror stories, horror stories of what I put myself through for drugs, things that, you know, things I things I can't come back from, and, and things that still haunt me to this day. You know, night terrors, and and believe me, man, it's. That, that's why I'm, I'm, I'm there are people journey. people don't people don't understand and this is real man this is a real thing they, you they, know and, and that's why I say that's why I say when somebody sits here and they, they say you know clean your you know David come on man clean yourself up and go get a job okay. you know and they say it like it's so, like it's so easy you know uh, and, 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 I, and I can't uh, it's been so long of this now I can't even waste my energy on trying to explain to someone, or I, I don't even have anger for this person anymore. I mean, do people really think that I like, yeah, I love being homeless, you know, and I'm being sarcastic. Yeah, like, come here. I, right, right. I, I'm dying to sleep next to some fucking weird guy that stinks because he has more cardboard to share with me. You know, even if you, he'll let me, I gotta, I gotta promise him a hit, a crack just to get some of his fucking cardboard why my why my kids are at home crying wondering where their dad is or or like do you know what i mean like like do it for your kids i i would love to i would fucking love to i i you know i never once as a young boy i never once thought life would be pain i never thought it would be this much pain but it is it, it was never a choice for me it never felt like one you know, it never felt like a choice, you know, you know, yeah, you're right. Clean the fuck up, get a job, be a man, be a man. I'd love to, but, um, mm-hmm. I'd love- well, it's like I told, it's, it's like I told Blake, David, you know, the, the most important thing that you need to understand at this point is you didn't have a choice, right? You did not have a choice because these, these, even, even a year ago, two years ago, when you were still in your worst, it was just a continuation of trauma from a kid. That's all it was. So you were, you were forced into a situation that you never really had a choice about, but you made a choice. Your choice was to end all of this crap, right? 
That was David's choice. That was nobody else's choice. So David chose to do that. Why did you make that choice, David? Why did I make the choice? What, to get better? Why did you make the choice? What What was it that drove you to change? And why did you make that choice? Yeah. Because I, I just, I, lo- I, I love my children. And, and, and I, and I, I sought it to get my children back regularly. And um, I saw my son was so fucking devastated. He was so upset with me that I relapsed. Because Cassie had, Cassie had to leave. She took my youngest son, Cameron, and left our apartment. She was afraid of me. I was in a blackout psychosis, breaking up the house, um, you know, trying to get, you know, just, I scared her. I, I, I put my hands on her. You were going through withdrawals? No, I was in a psychosis. I was, I, I shot okay. so much, I, I was shooting so much. I was, I was putting so much cocaine into my body that I became, you know, I was, I, I don't remember. And I was mixing it with benzos and, and mm. Adderall and Adderalls and, 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 um, and You're lucky drinking. to be alive, partner. Well, brother, I, I have I, I have over sixty overdoses. You know, I I'm, I'm, I I don't know how I'm alive. I don't know how, but but it, it was it was seeing my it was it was hearing the, the the pain and the anger in my son's voice. Man, I, I can't get it out of my head. I I can't yeah I can't get it out of my head, man. He, that's what changed my life, partner. My, I mean, my child changed my life. You know, that's when I realized, like, it wasn't about me anymore. I have, I have a child that's depending on me to guide them through this life that I know is pure fucking hell. You yeah. know what I mean? And, yeah. and, and, and not only that, but I, I was absent the first 12 years of her life. You see what I'm saying? So, it, it you know, I'm, I'm, in a, I'm in a dilemma myself, you know, that I'm trying to work through. So, this this is this is this is this is where we're at right now. You know, from from what I hear, David, you're strong. You're a strong man, right? And you know what you want, and you want to move there. You know, you want to start moving forward, right? And the position that you're in, you're in it. You, at least you had. You know, you have shelter for the next six or seven months, correct? Correct. Okay. How much money do you have coming in? About 200 a week from unemployment. How much goes out? Uh, $80 goes to my daughter in Portland, Maine. Uh, I give $80 of that. and But they're not charging me rent here. But um, hopefully they'll let me start working soon. Um, you know what I mean? But, in, but this is, but being here, I'm trying to obtain... Um, you know, housing through like a housing authority. I don't, I don't know what it's right. called in Florida, but like, like right. public it's HUD. It's HUD. It's HUD. Yeah. Yeah. Section eight. I'm trying to get section eight, yep. too, you know, so I'm trying to do all that. Hey, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get as much assistance as possible because man, I, I burnt all my other bridges, man. I, I don't have any money saved up. You know, I, I, um, I'm, I'm trying to start new, you know? And, okay. And that's what I'm trying to do. And, and, and what, what are what are your what are your fears right now? My fears are uh, going to, going back to jail because I have a court case next next month. Um, that's my fears. My fears. Uh, my fear is getting kicked out of this place. 
you know, um, you know, because of, you know, somebody not disrespecting me or, or you just know, I, I, I always get afraid around a bunch of people because usually there's some kind of static, you know, and I'm trying to teach my, you know, I'm, I'm learning through therapy to, you know, to, to walk away from things to, you know, Mm-hmm. To, be, to be tough. So, my- okay. So, so your biggest issue is your fucking ego. Yes. Yes. 100%. Okay. Yep. My, my, David, my, my, David, 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 David. What up? Your ego is shit, partner. Your ego is nothing. Bullshit. It's nothing. Listen to me. Listen to me. My biggest problem is my ego. Okay. And I still, and I still, and I still show egoistic ways every day. But my goal is not to eliminate my ego, but to just to bring it down each day, right? Because this is how I look at it. And it's, it's, when I explain this to you, it's going to be so fucking easy for you, partner, right? I'm on. The ego, the ego is the material plane. Everything that's material, material around you is your ego, right? Yeah. You, you want to live in the spiritual plane. You want to live through the spirit. The spirit has nothing to do with ego. The spirit don't care about gold. The spirit don't care about, about clothes. It doesn't care about a house. It doesn't care about cars. It doesn't care about food. It doesn't care about any of these things because they understand that it's all material. They understand, the spirit understands that the universe provides everything that we need to survive. That's right. It's it's in our own minds that society has placed in that we need clothes, we need jewelry, we need uh, uh, acceptance from people, we need to make sure that people know that we're I'm, I'm a badass. This is all societal, uh, just in, in implementations. You know that's that's what it is. So 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 when somebody's standing in front of you. And he steps on your foot. You say, hey, excuse me, partner, but you just stepped on my foot. You know, now the dude may look back at you and say, man, I don't give a fuck about stepping on your foot. What I'm going to say in that moment, David, now, back in the day, I would have cracked him, of course. Yeah. Now, you know what I'm going to tell him? You know what? I apologize, man. That's my fault. I thought that you stepped on my foot. Because to me, it doesn't matter. I could care less what this dude thinks about me. That's beautiful. And I've been in enough, and I've been in enough skirmishes in my life to know that when this dude turns to me and says what he says nine times out of ten, he can't handle what I bring to him anyhow. And then I'm going to end up going to jail. That's right. You see what I'm saying? Yes, going to yes. So, so after learning that, now it's like you know what? The first thing that pops in my mind is my child. That's it. And, and when I see my beautiful daughter's face and she and, and, and that's it, man, I picture that face like what would my child want me to do? My child would want me to humble down and come home and, and play games with her and whatever. So, you know what, dude? OK, you can keep your attitude. Doesn't bother me. And, and just just like I say, as long as you don't put your hands on me, you could you could say you could do whatever you want. It's not going to have no infliction on me, because what happens, David, is when. When I allow that dude to control my emotions, I have no power over myself. This dude that I don't even know has more power over me than I do. Yeah. Yes, I do. You understand what I'm saying?
so this this goes back to what I was saying in the beginning. Like, you want to be a tough guy, be a tough guy with yourself. It's a lot harder to do right than it is to do wrong. It's easy to do wrong. And this is what I tell my daughter. When it comes a time that you don't know how to decide whether what you're doing is right or wrong, just stop and ask yourself, which way is the easiest wow. way? Because that's usually the wrong way. You know, the right way is always having to put in work. The right way is always having to research. The right way is always having to swallow your pride and your ego. Why and is these that, are always the harder ways, you know? What, uh, because, what, what? because of ego, pardon? Ego, ego is the reason why we yeah. are in the position we are in the world, right? Because we have to be the bigger country, because we have to be the bigger military, because we have to have the biggest nuts. Oh, you know, all of these is all because of ego. You know, and I'm not a I'm not a religious person. I'm not subscribed to I any one religion, but I'm highly spiritual. And when I and, and when I read the Bible, I interpret the Bible to mean exactly that. When when we're born into the flesh, as the Bible says, right? We're born into a materialistic mindset. We're born into an ego because that's the first thing that we're taught. We're not taught the spirit first. We're taught the ego first. So as a child, we're constantly grabbing. We're constantly being taught material things are important in our lives. It's not until we get later in life do we understand that these material things have done nothing but cause us pain Great, huh? and strife. Right. So that's when you start. That's when you start moving into a spiritual realm, yep. which is what you call being born again. Right. So now that you're in the spiritual realm, you've been born into the spiritual realm, which means that you've been enlightened on the universal law on how to conduct ourselves as human beings. And once you have that knowledge, you don't want to regress because you understand that this isn't you. Like after, after, after so many years of being incarcerated and around these people, it started dawning on me. Like, you know, I'm looking around, I'm like, I don't belong here. You know, I don't belong here. I don't belong around these dudes. I'm sitting here trying to have a conversation about, serious world topics and these dudes want to talk to me about their cars and their shoes like i don't belong here you know and and that was it that's when i made a decision like i'm done with this this life you know so when your ego is taking over david that's when you have to don't be the badass dude with that's trying to control your ego be the badass dude on your ego nah hell hell no man i'm not going that route i've been there i've done that it's from Nothing but painful and strife. I'm done with it. You know, give the dude a hug. And 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 I'm telling you, partner, as <laughs> and 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 I'm a pretty scary looking dude, trust me. You know, so when 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 and it's funny because my daughter tells me all the time, like, Dad, you're scaring people, you know, you, you have to quit looking so mean. And I'm feeling like I don't know what you're talking about. I'm I'm in a good mood. I'm smiling, you know. So but because I've had such a hard life and I've been hardened in that way, I have to understand that that's the perception that I give off to people. So people are automatically going to be defensive around me, you know. So when, when I get that, I understand, OK, this dude feels threatened by me for some reason. So now he's trying to stick his chest out at me, you know. So, you know what, this, that wasn't my intention. Let me humble down some and just, you know what, OK, partner. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to work you up. 
here, and I'll joke with him. Here, let me give you a hug, man. You need a hug or whatever. That's, but I'll yeah. make light of the situation, you know. And and it and it's changed my life around because when I start injecting the positive, I believe that. I believe the that. positive believe comes that. back to I've been me. Hearing, right. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to jump on you with that, but I believe. No, no, I'm because because that's no. Go ahead, partner. This I is your call. Hearing about and I'm and I'm attracted to that topic for some reason because I'm always negative. My you know I'm just I find negativity out of out of beautiful things and I'm tired of it. I'm fucking tired of. It. Okay, and I'm and I'm gonna tell and I'm gonna tell you the same thing I told Blake. The reason why you allow negativity. To, to to penetrate your soul is because you have no wall of oh. defense. You have no confidence about yourself, right? So the confidence is what shields these negativities off. When the negativity comes in, right? If you're positive and you're confident about something, you automatically discount yep. that negative. So if you know that you're a good carpenter and I say, you know what, David, your carpentry is shit. It may not bother you because you know that you're a good carpenter. But if I come in, I tell you, you know what, David, you can't control your emotions. You're, you're unstable. You're automatically going to let that negativity in because you oh, believe shit. that. You don't have confidence in that. I, yeah. You understand what I'm saying? So you have, to build that, you have to build that wall. And that starts, David, with you looking yourself in the mirror, right? This is what I want you to do. The first mirror you come across, look yourself in the mirror. Look yourself in your soul, partner, in your pupils. And say, you know what? I'm not letting negativity affect me no more. Any negativity that comes to me, I'm going to find a positive in that versus the other way. Now, I don't want you to get discouraged, David, because this is muscle. You're working on muscle. And if if you took steroids, you work out, you understand how long it takes to build muscle and shape muscle. Right. So. All you have to do, again, partner, baby steps, take one little step at a time. You don't have to turn everything into a positive, but just start training your brain to start to think positive and find positive. It's going to be so hard in the beginning, you're going to want to quit, but you just have to continue. And just like how you know, starting a, a new workout routine, it takes you a couple weeks to get into that routine. But after them couple weeks, you're flying. You don't even get sore anymore. Absolutely. You can make it all the way through the workout. You see what I'm saying? Your brain, is, your wow. thought process and your brain is the same way. So you just have to, you have to turn that and you have to continuously work at it. You're going to be I straight, man. You ain't got nothing to worry about, Dave, for real. I thought I was going to get some dude that was going to be like off the chain. Man, you got your life straight and you've already, you've already made the decision to no. turn that. Uh. All you have to do is not regress. Each day, each day, move forward. Each day, move forward. David, in your spare time, when you have time to kill, don't kill that time, uh, you know, just doing frivolous things, right? Read a book, listen to a podcast, watch YouTube videos on, 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 on just different topics, you know? And keep start getting your mind focused on education. And I'm telling you, your world is going to change because I can tell that you have you have an engineering type mind. Right. And if you're a carpenter, 
you I, I can tell I that you can you can imagine things and you can build things. Wow. I already know. So so as you start educating yourself, your world is going to open up because your mind is going to start putting things together and you're going to just start having all kinds of different ideas and you're going to get your family out of the trouble that Absolutely. you're in and, and life is going to progress there. But you have to keep moving forward and you have to stay thank positive. You. No, thank you. So. Absolutely, man. Listen, I love this call. I love you. Chris, I love your wife. I love your children, partner. You, you know, you guys are going to be all right. All right. Awesome. I'm a, I'm going to reconnect with you next week, okay? And and I'm going to give you a link. I'm going to send you a link. So anytime, like I told Blake, this is a link to my message board. So anytime that you may be going through something, I want to know your thought process. I want to know your feelings. So just leave me a message of what you're experiencing, the anguish, what caused the anguish. Chris, thank you, man. And then the next time we'll connect, thank we'll you. talk about it, all right? It's on you. Thank you. You're the man, partner. You got this, partner. I will, brother. You got this, man. I know you you got this. Take care of your family, partner. That's all that matters. Take care of your family. Wear your mask. I love you. Take care. another sad story man but it's not really that sad though you know not to me I don't really see David being in a bad spot he's telling himself he's in a bad spot but he really ain't you know he's together his family is together they're healthy they're off they're off drugs you know I have to I have to believe David because I don't have any reason not to you know, so I have to believe David. Until David gives me a reason not to believe him, then I'm going to believe him. I'm always going to give everybody the benefit of the doubt because I understand, you know. So, but you, you know, David, you're not in a bad spot, kid. You, you got your family together. You both love one another. You both are trying to survive and you both are trying to, to improve life. You know, you have your child with you. And you're in a tough spot, true. But I think you're going to figure it out, David, man, because you want to. I really, I can hear it in your voice that you really, really want to do it, you know. But just some key notes, you know, key notes that you have to, you have to consider is one, you have to always recognize that your confidence is low, right? So you have to keep that in the forefront of your mind, that way when you do start doubting yourself, you tell yourself, that's just me tripping. I'm tripping on myself, man. I'm bugging. Let me show, let me show, let me prove to myself that I can do this. You know? And that's what it's about. That's what I say about being the bully to yourself. When you want to run, no matter what it is, David, when you want to run and you want to quit, that's where you have to bully yourself. You know? That's where you have to beat yourself up. I've been running my whole life. I've been avoiding my whole life. It's it's time to make a change, you know, because you're spot on in what you say. Like, you want your kids to, to be able to look up to you and to respect you, you know? And that's where it starts at. 
that's that's what I'm learning myself right now. You know, I'm I'm going through it with my daughter right now because, you know, um, I think it has a respect issue. You know, um, so I'm still trying to earn my daughter's respect. You know, because I've made a lot of egregious mistakes, and um, I have to earn that respect for my daughter. You know, so. Yeah, that's what it's about. You know, even that they're their kids, we can't we can't expect our children just to automatically respect us. We can't expect our children just to automatically like us. You know, we have to lead by example. You know, it's hard for a child to decipher why they shouldn't smoke cigarettes when their parents smoke cigarettes, yet their parents are telling them don't ever smoke cigarettes. You know, so it's it's very very and we do this all the time. You know, I'm guilty of it. You don't know how many times I'm driving with my daughter and I'm going 15 miles over the speed limit in and out of lanes without without signaling. You know, I'm driving. That's how I drive. Right. But then I'll look at her and I'll tell her, don't ever drive like how I drive. I'm experienced. I've been driving like this for for X amount of years. This doesn't mean that you can just jump in a car and drive like how I drive. But the point is is that I'm exposing her to something that I don't want her to do. It makes no sense. Because I'm incapable of controlling myself to drive in the right lane or to drive properly, you know, like like a responsible person. Which I'm not a bad driver. I have a safe driver on my license. It's not like I'm a reckless driver. But, you know, I do like... I like to dip. That's what we call it. Every once in a while, I like to put some good music on and I like to... You know, dip dip through traffic, man. That's how I like to drive. But it is dangerous and it is reckless at times, you know. So these are these are the, the hypocrisies that we 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 show our children every day and it causes strife and it causes confusion within them. Because again it's going unchecked and it's going it's going you know, it's going unrecognized. We're not discussing it. You know, we just tell our children, don't smoke. It's a bad habit. Don't ever pick it up. And then I and then and then 15 minutes later, I'm on the back porch and I'm smoking a cigarette. And but there's no discussion there. We're not sitting our children down and we're saying, listen, this is why I say this. You know, we just tell them because we get into the mindset that these are our children and they just do what we tell them to do and, and don't ask no questions. That was always the, you know, the. The misnomer, just just do what I tell you to do and don't ask no questions. That's what my father used to tell me all the time. Go to your room. Why, Dad? Don't ask no questions. Just do what I tell you to do. And take your pants down when you get in there. And I would have no idea what the hell was going on. So again, now I look at it like it was nothing but a, 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 a silly little ass whooping. Nothing to cry about. But yet in that moment, I was so frightened and so fearful because one, I knew I was getting ready to have my ass whooped. Two, I knew that I was going to have to lie about something because I was getting my ass whooped about something that I didn't know. And I just couldn't tell my father I didn't know. So I had to create something, right? These are these are the traumas that are put in us. And as we grow older, we just, we forget about them. 
you know, and store them in the back and, and just wash them under. But then they start affecting our decisions. And then like David, like like Blake, like everybody else, we don't understand why we're making these decisions. Because we want to do right, we're just making bad decisions. And next thing you know, we keep making bad decision after bad decision. It drives us further and further in despair. Next thing you know, we're drinking, we're doing drugs to try to get away from that despair because we don't like to we don't like to hurt. Humans don't like to hurt. We're not built to hurt we're not built for that man we're built for love that's what we're built for companionship we can be violent there's no question about that we can definitely be violent but that violence is is for survival you know so I don't have too much more on this, man. You know, I think um, I think it's the same story. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get back in with David. I think the next time, um, ah, what was her name? I'm sorry if I forget your name, dear. I think it was Cammy. But I, I want to hear from her. So I think the next time I'm gonna hear from her and get her story, and then and then try to piece, you know, her and David together, um. And then see what we got. And then and then we'll just progress with them, man. And, and see how these people, you know, um, how they survive. Because even though we're talking to one person, you might as well be talking to five million. No less than, you know. No less than five million that are in the same position that David are in, scattered throughout our, our nation. And it's all from unchecked trauma, man. All of this is from unchecked trauma. And this is the trauma that we're applying to our citizens as a nation, you know? The pressure and the stress of keeping up with the Joneses because, you know, for whatever reason, and and just all the pressures and stress that we put on each other for materialistic value, materialistic gain. So it's about awareness, man. It's about awareness. And it's all inflicted on our children. You think it's going to get better? You think by hiring and, you know, uh, voting in a new president, life is just going to change? Do you guys really honestly feel that? See, again, if that's how you feel, then again, that's running from the issue. You know, voting in Trump for another four years, voting in Biden for another four years or eight years or whatever, voting in anybody is not going to change the nation. Only you yourself can change. Only you yourself can change the nation. Be responsible for your actions. When somebody's getting aggressive with you, humble yourself. The more they get aggressive, the more humble you become. Just these type of these type of actions, you know. And if we instill these every day and, and move forward, then then life will get better at that time. But not one man is just going to come into an office and just change life. It's just not going to happen. You know, it's just not that easy. It takes work. Doing the right thing takes work. It takes hard work. It takes dedication. It takes sacrifice. 
or else everybody would do the right thing. That's the point. We we run around trying to be men, trying to be men. I'm a man, I'm a man, but yet we can't even do the right thing. That's what a man is. A man does the right thing. To me, man, I had such the, the, the misperception of what a gangster was. You know, I thought me running around cracking people's skulls and doing that, I was a gangster, man. You know what gangster is? Gangster is, is staying in school and making honor rule, putting in work. When people come in and trying to get you high and take you off your square, telling these people, nah, fool, I ain't with that stuff. That's gangster, for real. Now, that's gangster. Going to college, getting a scholarship, a full scholarship, not for sports, but for your mind. Man, there's nothing more gangster than that. Because you're doing your own thing. That's what gangster is. You're doing your own thing. No matter what anybody else is doing, you're you're the trendsetter. You're doing your own thing. And there's nothing more gangster than that, I promise you. Wear your mask. I'm out.